Michelle. And I'm Lucy. Welcome to another Tudor Cameo episode. These very short episodes will be slotted in between the normal ones, and will cover those characters who made a fleeting, yet tantalizing, appearance in other episodes. We don't always have a lot of information about them, so they can't have a full episode on their own, but they are too interesting to abandon completely, and they help fill in the gaps and enable us to create as full a picture of the era as we can. And today, Ralph Wilford. And every time I mention his name, you look at me blankly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's our chance to find find out more about him. And so hopefully we can remember the poor boy in future. <laughs> Where did we come across him? We came across him in the Perkin episode and possibly also in the John de la Pole episode. Ah, okay. So who is Ralph Wilford? I know you're asking. <laughs> you're probably thinking, who the hell is Ralph Wilford? Who is he? <laughs> Curiously, given that we have very little information about him, I think this is this may be the longest cameo episode to date. Oh, really? Since inadvertently he provides us with information about Henry's state of mind later on in his reign. Okay. That's always interesting, Henry's state of mind. Yes. Uh, he may have just popped up, shouted, I'm Edward Plantagenet, and was promptly hanged. It's that one. Oh, that one. <laughs> right. But the one who thought he could do a Perkin, but yeah. Could his appearance have signed the real Edward Plantagenet's death warrant? Oh. Mm. Ralph Wilford appears in Francis Bacon's History of the Reign of Henry VII in 1622. Polydor Virgil mentions the event, but says, quote, his name, as far as I know, is not recorded, unquote. Despite the fact that Polydor was obviously alive at the same time as Wilford. Oh, so, yeah. But I don't know where he was. Maybe he'd already moved... Uh, moved no, out by this point. He did not move out until Henry VIII's reign. So he would have been there. Oh, yeah, so he'd been there. He'd have, he should have known all about it. Yes. Busy collecting taxes, probably. This is what we know of Ralph Wilford. He was 19 or 20 when he announced his right to the throne. Like Lambert Simnel, he claimed to be Edward, Earl of Warwick. A lot of facts, in inverted commas, about Wilfred's life can't be verified. <laughs> he was said to be the son of a cordwainer. Now, is it pronounced what cordwainer? Cordoner? A shoemaker. Really? Either in London or in Suffolk. Maybe okay. both. Maybe they started in Suffolk and moved to London. Like Simnor, Wilfred was said to have been groomed by clergymen, and this time it's an Augustan friar called Patrick. And there's dispute as to whether Wilfred was educated in the ways of the nobility so that he could pass himself off as Edward Plantagenet, or whether he was brainwashed into thinking he was Edward. And we had the same difficulties with Perkins' motives, didn't we? Yes, we did. Henry came down on Wilfred and the priest, Patrick, so quickly that I couldn't even work out how much of a chance Wilfred had had to announce his claim. He must have told someone. Yes, obviously, because he got yeah. arrested. <laughs> but did he tell one person who proved to be a spy, because there were enough of them about, oh my goodness, or did he announce yes. it to a large crowd? I'm going to guess a crowd. No, it, maybe he announced it to one person, because if Polydor didn't know about it, if it or didn't mention it, mm. if it had been a crowd, I'm assuming it would have gotten back to him. Because I remember the, the quote you're talking about now from Polydor, and he did not ever mention this name. Hmm. So I'm thinking he must have said it to somebody who kept it quiet but brought it to the king. Yeah, you had to be so careful what you said. 
yes. to anybody, didn't you? I mean, that's what living in a totalitarian state is like. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine if he was joking? Oh. Yeah, he's he's not actually Ooh. claiming it. He's just like, oh, my gosh, anybody could say it. I could say that I'm Edward <laughs> of War. Whoops. Oh, oh, gosh, that would be tragic. <laughs> well, it's a tragic enough story as it was. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Patrick and Wilford went to Kent for this big reveal, if indeed there was a big reveal, presumably with the same idea that the Cornish rebels had, you know, that Kentish men had a reputation for disaffection. <laughs> Except for the one time they needed it. <laughs> <laughs> if we put this into context to see why Henry was so swift to get rid of the threat... I've put a chart on the episode resources page of the website showing when all these pretenders had their moment of fame. Lambert Simnel and John de la Pole flared up briefly in 1487. Mm -hmm. Perkin was active between 1490 and 1499. So he had a long run for his money. Yes. Perhaps Wilford didn't really think it through when he made his appearance in 1499. Just when Henry thought he'd finally caught Perkin and was probably breathing a sigh of relief and thinking, there, that's all done and dusted. Yes. So, yeah, I said Henry was quick. Wilford was proclaimed, arrested, sentenced and executed within two months. And he was executed on Shrove Tuesday at St. Thomas a Waterings near oh. Southwark. I've never heard of St. Thomas a Waterings. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Not for Paul Wilford, it was. No. <laughs> Probably didn't have time to think, oh, nice church, as he went by. At least it was quick. Yeah. And that's really all we know of events surrounding Paul Ralph Wilford's short life. But there are many questions his actions throw up. Mm -hmm. For instance, what did Wilford hope to gain? If it was a joke, nothing. <laughs> no. A laugh, yes. Ostensibly... The um, ostensibly the crown, the clown, I nearly said then, that was <laughs> a Freudian slip. <laughs> but was it likely, um, neither Simnel nor Perkin would have got anywhere without the backing of the nobility or foreign rulers. Yes. Wilford didn't seem to have any of that. Oh, if he did, it was well hidden since we've got no evidence for it to this day. Or maybe he just assumed that once he made the claim, people would flock to him. Mm, maybe that's what Patrick told him. Yeah, just stand, just stand up there mm. and shout and everyone will come. Rushing. Well, they did come rushing. but Yes, they did, but not the way you want. No. It's generally thought to be Edward Plantagenet that Wilfred was impersonating, yet some sources state that he claimed to be Edward's son and heir. What? Yeah, this is an odd one. Presumably this was to bypass the point in Simnel's uprising when Henry took young Edward out of the tower and paraded him around the capital. Okay, I see that. But how on earth did you think he would have ever had a moment with a woman to be able to create? Mm. And how old was Ralph when, because Edward was in his 20s when he got executed. Yeah, they're about the same age. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in fact, they could be exactly the same age. Yeah, I was saying a little bit of maths and common sense would show that either the chroniclers have got it wrong or that Wilford and the priest had done something really very stupid. Yes. <laughs> Unless they were banking on the idea that for most people, the knowledge of Edward Plantagenet would have been hazy at best. And they hoped they could use this ignorance to get away with it. I mean, uh, it'd be short, I it's a short-term game. <laughs> Very much so. And 
I don't know. Being his son is such a... Yeah, not possible. I mean, the worst comes to worst. Even people who had a hazy idea of Edward, they'd know a few things. One, he was younger than the queen. Mm -hmm. And the queen had children that were a lot younger than him. Mm. So how would you assume that he would be a son? Yeah, it just doesn't work. And Edward was still alive at this point. So all Henry had to do was take him out and say, have you got a son? And Edward would say, no. A what? Yes. And be shoved back in and that would be I it. I haven't met a woman yet. Yes. Gives a chance. <laughs> I've been in a tower. <laughs> Had you not noticed? <laughs> well, maybe the chronicler's got it wrong, but... Or maybe Wilford didn't know how old Edward was. Anyway, we've seen in John de la Pole's episode, and we will see in Lambert Simnels when we get round to that, that even when Henry did wheel out the real Edward, not many people seem to have deserted Simnel. And maybe that was because they were already looking past him at Jonathan de Pole and still or... thought it was worth a bet worth a punt, really, wasn't it? But Yes. So just because she, he, Henry says, here's the real Edward, if people want to follow the other person, they're not going to take a blind bit of notice. No. But it wasn't going to work for somebody who had no noble backing whatsoever. No kidding. Yeah. I but, can't understand why he would even think this would be a good idea. That's why I'm going back to a joke. It could have been that he had delusions. Possibly. People do. All those people who thought they were Napoleon. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Without the assistance of prominent nobles and their ability to raise an army, what could Wilford and Pat Patrick possibly have hoped to get out of this? If they had roused the local population to follow Wilford against Henry, well, we know what happened to the Cornish Rebellion. At least they had Lord Audley. Yeah. It would have just been a, a bloodbath. And as far as we know, Wilford had nobody. There's not even any evidence to show that he had the backing of dissident Yorkists. So there's no indication it had anything to do with Edmund de la Pole. This is making me feel sad for him. Oh, yes, it's awful. And Auntie, Auntie Margaret, she'd already signed that pledge promising not to encourage people to overthrow Henry anymore. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean she wouldn't do it, but she doesn't seem to have in this case. Well, at this point, she's broke. <laughs> yes. So what was Henry's reaction to all this? I don't know, he might have been laughing. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> you thought it was a joke? This is a joke. <laughs> If Wilfred's rebellion was a damp, if not sopping wet squib, it appears, <laughs> didn't Henry overreact just a touch? Did he, or was it just at the point where he's like, I'm done with this, where yeah. I have to keep this guy alive in the tower because I promised I would keep him alive, but this mm. one can just go. Yes, Henry had had long nights staring at the ceiling, thinking, oh, God, what's next? Yes. <laughs> and then Wilford pops up and says, I'm next. And so mm. that's... No, you're not. Yeah, yeah he just had enough, hadn't he? And yes. this was precisely the time that De Ayala said that he'd aged 20 years in two weeks. And we charity, charitably put that down to the guilt of having to execute Edward Plantagenet. But it was too <laughs> early for that. Right. Wilford died in February... But Edward and Perkin weren't executed till November. So could he have aged so quickly because he thought he'd have to put up with another long, drawn-out uprising? I don't know. Mm. 
Oh, I forget. Oh, I wish I could keep track of where I remember all these things <laughs> yes, from. But I, I think it was a YouTube video which showed presidents before and after their four years, and they all have aged bad. Well, not badly, but fast. A lot, yeah. While they're in that position of power, so it might just be the position. Yeah, Tony Blair looked well. Yeah, he he was he was a lot older when he'd finished than when he started. Yeah. When he started. He was a bright, bright young thing when he started, and he was a sort of elder statesman by the end. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, the nineteenth-century historian Gairdner said that Wilford quote touched the king in the sorest point of his apprehensions unquote. Well, yeah. He was already panicking about all that was going on, and then Wilford just came along, pushed it Made a little it bit further. Mm. Yes. Now, we know why the Perkin event ended with a trip to the, one of the less salubrious rooms of the Tower, because it was vital for Henry to demonstrate to Ferdinand and Isabella that their little girl would be safe in England. Mm -hmm. Henry just put the Perkin issue to bed and told them, come on over, it's all safe now. And then, and then... up pops Wilford. <laughs> Hello. Yes. And Henry had been lenient with Simnel, because he was just a boy, for one thing. Yeah. And also, at that point, Henry probably thought, all right, that's that. Yes. Right, finished, done and dusted, but not knowing he had nine years of Perkin to look forward oh to. gosh. What a nightmare. Mm. He was not so lenient with Wilford, even though he presented much less of a threat, because Simnel had actually been crowned Edward VI. Wilford had just told a joke in a pub, and that would be it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he was drunk. Mm -hmm. There may be another reason for Henry's overreaction. We know how superstitious he was. Very. Yeah, he consulted a soothsayer who warned him that 1499 oh, no. was going to be a bumper year for Yorkist-backed uprisings. Oh, so stop it before it goes any farther. Mm. Just immediately. This was said by Gairdner to have, quote, haunted his mind, unquote. Yeah. Mm. I think he had quite a haunted mind anyway, didn't he? I think so. The historian Ashdown Hill suggests another possibility. Was Wilford set up by people within the Tudor court? This theory has been brought out over and over, hasn't it? We looked at the possibility of court involvement in the escape plans of young Edward and Perkin. Yes. Either these mysterious people were doing this in collusion with Henry, and they were setting it up as something linked with Edward Plantagenet so that it could be pinned on him. Yeah. So they were looking at excuse to get rid of Edward. Or it was done behind Henry's back with the intention of forcing the king's hand. And you think this was that as it was just it's so quick and no backing. I'm I'm struggling to see that a court. Yeah. Now, Ashdown, this is Ashdown Hill's theory. It could be true, but I felt it was unlikely because producing yet another pretender would surely make Ferdinand and Isabella more convinced of the dangers of England. Mm hmm. It seems more likely that Wilford came first and the paranoia came after, yeah. I think. Yeah. But it can't be denied that the Wilford incident spooked Henry enough that he decided that he needed to get rid of Perkin and young Edward. Oh. I mean, how long would this go on otherwise? How many other claimants would come out of the woodwork? Forever. Mm. And Henry was getting on by this, this time, so... Yes, he was already ill and yeah. ailing. Henry must have thought about his son's reign and wondered if that would be plagued by people pretending to be Edward. I don't know. Mm. I mean, Henry VIII started taking care of anybody else who had a claim to the throne, too. Mm, Maybe he learned Margaret, it from his Margaret father. Paul, yes. yes, poor Margaret. 
people being chased around. Would his son's reign be plagued by Edward Wannabe's as well? But just to ram home the justification for taking an innocent life, i.e. Edward Plantagenet's, just for political expediency, Henry's astrologer, William Parron, put his oar in and said, quote, It is expedient that one man should die for the people, and the whole nation perish not, for an insurrection cannot occur in any state without the deaths of a great part of the people, and the destruction of many great families with their property, unquote. Mm-hmm. So, a Star Trek quote for Jamie, The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> ah. Better than one innocent man dies than hundreds of innocent people. Yes can see how Henry might have just thought, well, great, problem of conscience solved then. Yeah. If indeed he had one. As we know, Henry couldn't just kill him because, as you say, he promised not to. Yes. And also he had come to the throne claiming, quote, of all worldly goods, the greatest is to suppress tyrants and relieve innocence. And I would argue that they don't come much more innocent than Edward now I have a special friend, Plantagenet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the Henry of the later reign was far more ruthless than the Henry of the early reign, wasn't he? And yes, maybe he was. it was Elizabeth of York and Uncle Jasper's death. Death that um, they'd been reigning in his tyrannical tendencies. And once mm. they died, he was just free to be himself. Or maybe it was the panic concerning Ralph Wilford that was just enough to push him over the edge. So it's yet another of these these episodes where at the end you say, we just don't know. We just don't know. We're sorry, <laughs> but, but it's the best we can do. But that is the story, as much as there is one, of poor Ralph Wilford. <laughs> I think the story was actually about two sentences long. But <laughs> yeah. And now I'm picturing him as Ralph from uh, The Simpsons. Mm. Not too bright. This was a dumb thing to do. It was a very silly thing to do. Yes. Could have been could have been a bet. Don't know. Don't know. Mm. Either way, bad choice. So at least you'll remember him next time. Yes, I will. <laughs> as soon as you said Polydor Virgil, I'm like, no, I did not come across that name anywhere in Polydor Virgil. What are we talking about? Maybe it was such a small incident because it happened so quickly. Yes. That nobody in court really knew about it. I mean, And Polydor could have been at one of his sinecures off somewhere else writing the mm-hmm. history. And yeah. it's not like Edward, who was tried by his peers. No. I mean, Ralph didn't have any peers. Really. Did he even get a trial? Yes, he did, because it did say he was tried, arrested, tried, and executed within two months. Yeah, but the tried could just be him standing up in front of the privy councillors and them saying, you've been... Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'd had a fair trial. That would be I've a different thing entirely. I'm, yeah. I've just I discovered I'm doing something really weird. I'm not ending my sentences at all. <laughs> I just sort of peter off as my brain goes off thinking about it. Sorry. So there we go. I hope you have enjoyed watching this poor man, poor man suffer. <laughs> yeah, this one's a fun one. No, it's not. We'll make some fun ones. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Oh, I've already got um, Sigmund of Sax. Uh, no, Sigmund of the Tyrol lined up. And he's oh, a fun one. He was a nice. complete pillock. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Since we don't know who's next. <laughs>
Goodbye. Goodbye.